When the art day gets rough, you just gotta keep on punching. And here's your Thunder Punch Daily with Jersey Droz. If you're having trouble coming up with lesson plans or activities to turn into lesson plans to make proposals for potential workshops or ongoing courses, um, a simple thing you can do to help you come up with ideas is just look at the different ways artists promote themselves and activities they get involved in both for fun, professional development, and for networking and audience building. So a case in point that I would point to, case in point to point to, would be fan art. Why do we do fan art? Well, we do fan art for a lot of reasons. One is because we're celebrating the love of something that we've like invested our emotionally in, in terms of somebody else's intellectual property. Um, it's celebrating our ability to interpret and build upon something that we already enjoy. Um, and it's a way to get attention of other people who appreciate that fandom, right? You can grow an audience this way. This is all obvious to us, right? What's, but what's underneath it, right? Uh, and this is the, the investigating of the why do we do the things we do? Like if we just think about it and dig at it a little bit, a potential uh, teachable moment learning experience could be revealed. So I have been for, oh my gosh, 11 years now, I have been leading a uh, unit, it's not a unit, what would you call it? It's a lesson that I do in my comics classes where we watch an episode of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and I have the students redesign three of the characters. Now I'll go into like the actual like structure of the lesson plan because, I mean, I have no secrets. Um, if you want to use it, go ahead and use it. Um, but as to like the why that... Well, one, I love, I love He-Man. <laughs> Anybody who's been listening to Thunder Punch Daily at any amount of time should have deduced that by now. Um, but the, the and, and, I, and I certainly adore sharing the filmation cartoon with young people because I feel like anybody under the age of 12 usually gets it. Um, I hesitate to show it to teenagers. I've, I've used it in my teen classes a couple times and the uh, language that gets thrown at that cartoon by 15-year-olds is like sometimes too much for me to bear. Anyway, but why, why that? Why that lesson? Well, if you think about what fan art is, also fan art is, whether it's conscious or not, it's an investigation of design choices. Why do they choose to make it this way, not that way, right? Uh, a lot of people will do fan art. Sometimes they'll, like, change the genre. Well, let's do the Justice League, but in the Wild West. Let's take uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and mix it with science fiction, right? Um... And when you do that, whether consciously or not, you are engaged in an act of evaluating and playing with design choices made by somebody else, which is an exploration of how design communicates, right? And the neat thing about it, I think part of the reason it's so fun is because a lot of the initial thinking has been done for you. You're sort of given a, um, oh, here's, 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 a, here's a metaphor for it. I once took a baking class uh, years ago learning how to make croissants. And the first half of the class was all about making the dough, uh, beating in the, the butter and like layering the dough and folding it in all such a way and wrapping it in all such a way and then putting it in this, this thing to cure. And then in order to keep the class expedited, they gave us a cured, uh, what would you call it? Like a, a folded 
thing of dough to unfold and cut and roll and bake and turn to croissants, right? So they gave us sort of a, <clears throat> a pre-made um, bit of dough so we could get to the part where we bake it and feel the satisfaction of having finished the thing and done the thing, even though our dough wasn't finished curing. And then when our croissants were done, then they gave us our cured dough to take home and we could bake it at our leisure. So this is kind of like, this is something that you got to think about when, from a student's perspective. When a student has zero or very little contact with the concept you're trying to teach, sometimes giving them a bit of a boost up with something that's already pre-done, some, something where there's been some amount of thinking done beforehand for them to then take and run with and play with and explore these concepts you're trying to teach in a way that feels playful and safe, right? Um, and this is where we can get to like the thinking behind the He-Man redesign thing. Because I, I post pictures of it whenever I do it on my Instagram. And, you know, uh, I've had conversations with people where they say something like, oh, it must be fun to sit there and just watch a cartoon, you know, and then have kids draw you the characters that you love. What a playful thing. And it is. But the way I, I phrase it to the kids, is I, 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 I um, present this as a very serious endeavor. And I, and I actually preload it with like some um, demonstrations of how intellectual properties are constantly being reinvented. I show them the original She-Ra and, uh, and the Princess of, Princess of Power opening animation from Filmation from 1985. And then I show them the 2017 version of the opening animation by uh, DreamWorks and Noelle Stevenson. And I ask them. What did they change? Why do you think they changed it? Who was it for? Why would, did the audience change between the first one and the second one? What improvements did they make? How was that an improvement? We get into a really serious discussion on this, and I point out that this is a job that you could have someday is reinventing some intellectual property. So now we're going to do it. We're going to practice it in this room. I'm going to show you a cartoon that you have likely never seen before. So it's not important that you know everything that there is to know about the characters. And as a matter of fact, the less you know, the better. Because what I want you to do is while you're watching, you have a sheet of paper and a pencil, and you're going to take notes. And you're going to write down these characters as you see them. And you're going to evaluate. What do you think was the designer's intent? So when they, why did they draw them this way and not that way? Why did they use this shape and not that shape? And you're going to listen to what the character says and does. And ask yourself, did they accomplish what the writers seemed to intend for the character? How would you improve it? How would you refine that, that design? You're going to pick three characters. And you're going to redesign them. And you're going to have to write a short, like a, just like a one or two paragraphs, explaining your design choices. Why would you change it from this to that? Now, I'm going to say 70% of the students usually get this as the objective. 30% usually turn it into, He-Man needs pants. <laughs> That's fine. It's fine as long as they're having fun in there and as long as they can defend their design choices, right? Well, it doesn't make any sense they would have furry underpants. Well, he's a barbarian. Barbarians wear furry underpants. Well, in my story, they would wear boiled leather pants because it would provide some armor and it would give them some defense against the elements. Okay. But like I said, most I would say on average, 70% of my class understands that this is about thinking about where design meets an audience and how do you use design to adequately... Um, communicate to an audience, right? And it's couched in this playful kind of event of we're watching a cartoon. We're having a good time. But I make sure to emphasize, but this is serious business, watching cartoons. We have to 
have our analytic eyes on all the time so that we can constantly process and improve and level up. And, and if we want to take this as a serious endeavor, um, make it a regular occurring practice in our lives. So, and that all was born out of this notion of asking myself, well, why do we do fan art? So pick any activity that you see artists doing online, right? Draw this in your style. Why? Right? What's, what, what is the teachable thing inside of that? Inktober. Uh, you know, uh, was the, there was like a Halloween-themed art challenge in October. What are some of the principles, or what are some of the benefits that are available to artists in those kinds of activities so then you can sort of reverse engineer it and mine it into your own classroom experience? Because you're also modeling for these beginners what a developed professional, whatever level you're at, is going to be doing. And the sooner you can give them some uh, contact with that, the better. Okay, I'm done. This is part of the Art Sound Off Challenge, artsoundoff.com, wherein me and my buddy Rob Stenzinger are challenging ourselves to check in over the month of November with uh, essays about our art. What I've chosen as my theme this year is just a bunch of essays about being a teaching artist, how to be a teaching artist, why I think it's an important endeavor, and how it improves your art. And I'll be back tomorrow with another Thunder Punch Daily. Until then, remember, everybody. In today's story, Skeletor was looking for a shortcut, a quick way to riches and power. You may know some people like that, always looking for the quick way to get ahead of everybody else. Well, it doesn't work that way. The people who succeed are the ones who work for what they want. So don't be fooled by those who say they have a sure thing. There's always a catch to it. Don't sell yourself short. The right way is the best way. Until later.